630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. The game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by World of Spas. And now, the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio. 630 chance. David will transition offensively. Morgan Riley back. McDavid beat him. Rich shot score. Beautiful move. Connor McDavid danced around Morgan Riley and then finishes off the Leafs by going upstairs on Hutchinson. Well, a lot of action in the game tonight. But that is bullet point number one on the list. Connor McDavid, a thrilling goal as the Oilers beat the Toronto Maple Leafs 6-4 tonight. The Oilers have won back-to-back games for the first time since November 23rd and 24th. They are 3-0-1 in their last four. They are 2-0-1, three games into the five-game road trip. They are 23-17-5 on the season. And McDavid leads the way with a goal and three assists. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown, overtime open line, courtesy Hartland Ford. My goodness, Rob. (laughs) What a goal by McDavid. It was, and he just played with Riley on that one. He he came down, he made it look like he was waiting for help to come, and anyone in the National Hockey League knows that Connor doesn't need help, so yeah, don't don't be fall asleep on him for just a split second, and Riley did. Riley, Riley got lulled, and he thought, okay, he's waiting. Riley looks one way, and all of a sudden Connor's gone the other way. And at that point, it's... Uh, Riley's in trouble, and it ended up being Hutchison was in trouble as well. So uh, a wonderful goal, and that was one that Connor McDavid had in the back of his mind as he got the puck at center ice. He knew exactly what he was doing the whole time, and he had Riley play right into it. So uh, an absolutely wonderful goal by Connor McDavid on a on a night that you could see right from the very sh- first shift that he had jump. He knew where he was playing tonight. He was playing in Toronto, his home province, family and friends in the stands, and he wanted to make a statement, and he certainly did. So 6-4. For the Oilers is the final. A, a ton of action in this game, really right from the opening faceoff. You and Bob were talking at the end of the network show about the Cassian hit on Tavares. There was only one goal in the first period, but chances at both ends. Smith made some good saves. Clefbaum got his fifth of the year. Some some key moments in this game, Rob, I, I think especially in the second period. First of all, first minute 45 of the second period. The Oilers come out, get goals by Nurse and Yamamoto, and they exchange a one nothing lead into a 3 nothing lead. Well, things that we've seen with the Oilers this year is when they've had leads early in hockey games, they haven't been able to extend them. And... We've seen so many times where the Oilers are on the, the wrong side of that, falling behind two or three, then mount a comeback, only to see the comeback fall out, fall up short, simply because you've got to play perfect hockey the remainder of the game. And the Toronto Maple Leafs, they mounted a comeback. They got behind 4-1, mounted a comeback, got it to 4-3. Uh, but that's as far as they could get it because you make a mistake, and their mistake was taking a penalty, and all of a sudden it's 5-3. And everything, every ounce of energy you put into getting back in that hockey game was for naught. So the Oilers extended a lead, and I think that was key for them. We saw against uh, the Rangers where they played prevent defense an entire period, and eventually it, it, it cost them. It almost cost them a hockey game. Tonight they didn't. Tonight they just kept pushing forward, 
and kept making plays and kept creating things and built a lead. And it was a lead that was too big for the Leafs to come back from. So 6-4, the Oilers win. Right now, you can go to the Oilers page on 630Ched.com and print up a coupon for a free appetizer to Japanese Village AAA steak, succulent seafood cooked at your table. Celebrate your senses at Japanese Village. The goal light goes on whenever the Oilers score five or more in a game. All right, I'm going to ask you this. How did Anderson getting pulled when it was 3 nothing? in your mind, affect McDavid's beautiful goal in the third period? Well, Bob was Bob and Jack brought it up after the game that is this the same game if Anderson doesn't get pulled? And you saw anyone watching the game, they showed the highlight of Anderson going on the bench. He was not happy being pulled. And it was one more, probably the coach saying, you know what, we need a spark. But you're pulling the best goaltender in the National Hockey League, or the most wins. Anderson's good. And a couple of the goals that went in on, on the backup, Hutchinson, were iffy. Now the goal that McDavid scored, the difference between Anderson and Hutchinson is they catch with opposite gloves. And the move that McDavid made on Hutchinson, going over the glove is much easier than going over the blocker and going, because the blocker's there, but there's also the stick, the knob of the stick. And it's amazing how many times pucks hit that. Players like going glove. Players do not like going blocker. And you wonder if Connor's coming in there, if he does the same type of move, if it's Anderson because he knows that it's a much harder move. Uh, but on Hutchinson, he made him look silly as well. Hutchinson bit on the cross, going cross crease. I mean, McDavid at all the time in the world. So I, I agree with Bob and Jack. I, I wouldn't have pulled Anderson. And this is a Toronto team that can score. Three goals are not going to beat them. And obviously we saw they scored four. So I think that affected the game. And, and obviously Connor McDavid going in on Hutchinson, a little different than Anderson. Not saying he wouldn't have scored, but it changes it up a little bit because you can do more on that handed goalie. That's our adjustment of the game for the Alberta College and Association of Chiropractors. If it hurts, see a chiropractor, visit albertachiro.com. I also want to talk about another sequence in the second period. And again, I mean, 6-6 six, six for Edmonton. There, there are a lot of things you can talk about, but the Oilers have a 3-1 lead and they're two men short with about 13 and a half minutes left in the second period. They're two men short for a minute 23. Now, like you said, eventually Toronto did get to four but they didn't score there. The Oilers held the two-goal lead and eventually made it 4-1. Well, the Oilers eventually got a 4-1 lead, and when Toronto came back, they got within two to make it 4-3, or or got within one to make it 4-3. But on this one, if Toronto scores to make it 3-2 early on a 5-3, which 5-3 used to be an automatic goal, they still have a power play to actually tie the game up. And what we've seen when the Oilers go down two, Leon Dreisettle gets trotted out to play center, and the Oilers have been pretty effective killing off five on threes and it is a huge uh, momentum swing against you when you don't score in a five on three and the others did eventually extend to make it 4-1 after that so uh, a huge kill so in a game that was 6-4 and you look at the great offense by McDavid and some of the other players like Chase on having a nice game you seem to forget about key moments but you and I talked about it at the time if the Oilers could stop the Leafs on the five-on-three, that'll go a long way in helping them win this hockey game. So give Leon and the, the two penalty killers on the back end credit because they did a heck of a job because Toronto really didn't get a whole lot of grade-A looks on that five-on-three. 6-4, the Leafs beat the Maple Leafs tonight. The Oilers had lost seven in a row against Toronto, 0-6-1 during that stretch. So they finally get that monkey off their backs. And again, the Oilers' record for the season now 23 17 and 5 their next game is in Montreal on Thursday night well he continues to make an impact his fourth game up from the minors he scores tonight Kyler Yamamoto again I, I thought a noticeable game I mean he's not playing a ton he plays 14 48 but he's around the puck a night 
uh, a lot. And Rob, this is the seventh year you and I have been doing these games together. And, and you did it for seven seasons before that. And probably most of those years, you've had fans screaming for somebody to one-time the puck, or at least for Oilers players to do it more often. Leon does it a ton, and, and Yamamoto today gets gets the puck on net right away. Well, and we talk about a, a one-timer isn't about how hard you shoot it. It isn't about going bar down. A one-timer is simple. Hit the net. Because when you're one-timing a puck, 90% of the time it's because it's coming from the opposite side of the ice, which means a goalie has, come, has to go from post to post. It's a long way. And, and the, a couple of players we've seen in the past, one of them, for example, is Jordan Eberle. Whenever the puck came one side to the other, he would always stop it. He'd shoot it quickly, but he would stop it. Stopping the puck allows the goaltender to set. On this one, Yamamoto, puck, as soon as it's there, he one-times it. It's not a bomb. He doesn't have an absolute howitzer like an Ovechkin, but he hits the net. And where's he? He hits the middle of the net. It's not too high. It's not too low. It's right in the middle of the net because you know as a shooter, hit the hit the biggest, largest spot. He does that, and the goaltender has absolutely no chance because the puck is on and off his stick, no time to set, no time to react. You're simply in a desperation mode. So Yamamoto, he's been good. And... We, we've seen him so far. He's been this is his fourth game, correct? Yep. In the four games, we've seen him twice, out in the last minute of a game with the other team pulling their goalie. Tonight, playing four on four in the game, he was the first unit out there. He and Leon went out four on four and created havoc and chaos in the Leaf zone simply by being a pest. He gets he gets in passing lanes quickly. He's got very good stick. Uh, most When you think of good stick, you think of Zidane Chara because he's got a, a, a wingspan of probably 25 feet. <laughs> but Yamamoto's just this little guy, but his stick is so quick, and he disrupts passes. He disrupts uh, guys trying to dangle because he gets his stick just on it, tipping the puck away. Uh, again, the thing that you love about Yamamoto, and this is what we saw from in, from him in the past, is he does all the little things correctly. And that, I think, is a learned trait that he's gotten better at in the minors because he plays in all situations down there. So I thought the others did a good job putting him where he belonged at the beginning of the season. And I thought he's done a great job improving his game to the point where when he comes up, he can be put in all the same situations he was in the minors and he can have success. I think the word pest really fits. Uh, I mean, obviously, high-scoring junior player, you're, if you're drafted in the first round you're, and you're a forward, you're expected to provide offense, which he has, three points in four games. But he he often helps win the shift mm-hmm. by keeping the puck alive, like you said, pestering guy, being on guy's stick. Now other teams are going to get tape on him and, and be aware of him, but we'll see how he adjusts. But it's not like, well, well he came up from the minors and... Well, you don't even notice, and he's got his ice time down to eight minutes. Like, you feel, at least I feel comfortable when he's out on the ice, that probably something positive will happen for the Oilers. Well, to the point where you're hoping to see him more. Uh, when you see him out there, it's always something good. And he is, and this is, it sounds odd, but he's a great defensive player in the offensive zone. He he, he makes smart plays. He And, and again, on that 4-4, four four, the, the Leafs couldn't get out of their zone, and it was him by himself. He went after the first defenseman, disrupted his pass, went after the guy where the puck went, and the puck goes off, his stick goes back the other way, and he went cross ice back and forth a couple times. Uh, he looks confident when he has the puck on his stick. He's not uh, giving it to players that he thinks should have the puck just because they should have the puck. He makes plays, keeps plays alive. Uh, he's, he's a miniature version uh, of Cassian, where Cassian is playing on the wing, and he's the... He's the, the glue guy, the guy that just, you know what, he's not going to get all of the, the fanfare because he's got McDavid, 
who's all-world, and he's got Neil, who's scoring all the goals. But those plays don't happen if casting doesn't keep plays alive in the offensive zone through physicality, through good forecheck. Uh, and that's what Yamamoto's doing too. He knows that the plays are going to be made by Drysettle and Nugent Hopkins, but they don't get to make the play if the play dies. And Yamamoto has done a fantastic job. And again tonight, draws a penalty. And that's the one thing we heard that happens a lot in the minors. Guys take penalties on him. And tonight he draws a power play because he's just uh, tenacious on his forecheck. 6-4, the Oilers beat the Maple Leafs tonight. That means a $150 donation to 630 Chet Santa's Anonymous from Ascendant Financial. When the name of the game is life, there's Ascendant Financial. Visit CoveredAlberta.ca, $25 for every Oilers goal throughout the season. I've probably seen the McDavid goal, I'm going to estimate, around 50 times since he mm-hmm. scored it because it's on a lot of Twitter accounts and they've showed multiple angles here on the sports that highlight show that we have on uh, mute on the TV after the game. And it's just amazing. Like he's, he's almost, well, he's kind of going sideways, but he's turned his head and shoulders back mm-hmm. and he's trying to convince, well, mainly Riley, that I'm waiting for Nuge. Well, he, I'm waiting for Nuge. He didn't try and convince him. Well, he did. He, he did, did convince him. him. He did convince him. It, it, it worked. But, yeah, I mean, he looks like, okay, you know, two-goal lead. I'm not going to try anything brash. Mm-hmm. Where's my buddy Nuge coming so we can... Oh, no, here I go. Well, as soon as he got Riley to lean a little bit to the inside... Riley's done. He's got no chance at all because he, he's got the fastest player with the puck on a stick in the world who's only a couple feet away from him. I mean, it's not only did Connor go sideways, he kept going at a diagonal that he was getting closer to Riley. So that Riley was now, when Connor made that one step to the outside, Riley was beat. There was nothing he could possibly do. And by the time Connor got to the net, he was able to, without any hooking, any slashing, anything, because Riley was so far behind him. So it was, he usually beats you with his feet. On that one, he beat you with his mind because he played a mind game on Riley and it worked. 6-4, the Oilers take it as we check the scoreboard for Edmonton Trailer. Looking for parts, service, rentals, or new and used semi-trailers, head to edmontontrailer.com. Jets win 3-2 in Montreal. The Oilers are in Montreal on Thursday. The Islanders shut out the Avalanche 1-0. Later tonight, the Blue Jackets visit Los Angeles. Nashville firing head coach Peter Laviolette. So we'll see what happens there. And in the WHL... Uh, Tim Hunter was fired by the Moose Jaw Warriors. The Oil Kings are there on Wednesday. Well, Tim Hunter, if, if for those that followed the World Juniors, he coached Canada's World Junior team last year in Vancouver, a team that did not live up to expectations, lost in the quarterfinals, I think, last yep. year against Finland. They had a rough year in Moose Jaw this year, and he's out of a job. And the Nashville job, it's interesting because there's not a whole lot of options when you fire a coach in the middle of the season. Although we, you and I had to look up the name of the coach that's coaching their minor league team in Milwaukee. Yeah. Neither one of us probably can remember it, but the Milwaukee is first in the American Hockey League right now, so maybe that's a possibility that he is the next coach of Nashville. I look for Nashville to get a jump start getting a new coach here right away. Alright, Mitch writing in. You can text 780-496-0063. That's also the number to call. Mitch says, hey guys, really enjoying watching Yamamoto play. I would like to ask Rob which small player he found most annoying to play against in his career. Huh, they all were annoying. Uh, <laughs> uh, flurry, flurry, very annoying. Um, yeah, I probably, yeah, I would probably go with Flurry with the most annoying player that I played against. Well, and he was a prolific scorer. I mean, oh, he was more great. than likely Yamamoto will be, but you know, I mean, you never know. Well, I mean, it, was, it, if Yamamoto has half the career that Theo had, 
that's a pretty good year. I played for, with Theo at the World Juniors. I know Theo very, very well. He was uh, as good a player that has played in a long, long time. Um, I'm not putting Yamo in Theo's category because Theo was, I mean, we're talking Olympian gold yeah. medalist. Uh, he, he had some pretty good success, but Theo was a pest when he played. Like he, The one thing, and another player that, of that stature is a guy named Dale Durkach that played in Regina, was a great player that uh, he played 15 years too early. If he played later, he would have been a great NHL player because they would have given small players a chance to play. When smaller players play with a little bit of edge, it gives them more room, mm-hmm. and they need that. Because uh, when you see Leon with the puck on a stick, he can absorb hits. When Yamo has the puck on a stick, he can absorb hits. Guys will knock him over. So you have to play with a little bit of edge to give you a little bit more room on the ice. And Yamo, his edge isn't through uh, being vicious. He's physical. And we've seen him throw body checks, which uh, I didn't expect out of him. And that has uh, created a little more room on the ice for him. And uh, he's been effective. And today, on the goal that he scored, he was knocked over got back up off the ice, got into the open spot and scored the goal. So he absorbed a hit and then went and found an open spot and scored. So a uh, very effective game for Yamamoto again tonight. Good pass there by Caleb Jones too. And Jack Michaels, you, you may have heard him mention or see him on his Twitter account. First time since 1985, all six Oilers defensemen get a point in the game. There's your fun stat of the evening. I wonder if that was a like a, an 11-2 game that the yeah, Oilers I, won back I then. I didn't have time to look up the, the box score. I'll try, to, I'll try to do that. 6-4, the Oilers win in Toronto. We'll get to your phone calls in a couple of minutes but let's go back to T.O. and here's Oilers head coach Dave Tippett. Which one? We got six of them. <laughs> I liked all six of them. Some of them are just a little flashier than others. <laughs> Alex Jason said that was the best McDavid goal he's ever seen. What are your thoughts on that? I was amazed that he was looking for, waiting for people coming behind him the way he was looking and then I guess we must have been changing or something so he decided to do it himself but if you watch the video it's unbelievable he doesn't ever look towards the goal and then all of a sudden he's in front of it so that's, uh, you know, that's, that's Connor being Connor. I like, I mean, we have a lot of guys on here from around this area, and when they come back, they always want to play well, so it's great to see them play well and great to see us get a win here. You see guys in the dressing room happy after, and it's, uh, it's a good feeling for a team to come here and win. Usually when a team gives up four goals, the coach isn't that happy, but your team played well, you seemed in control, you didn't chase the game all night, but, uh, you got to be happy. I mean, it's, yeah, I don't want to give up four, but uh, sometimes circumstance, you know, we took a penalty there late, and we won a draw, and actually, but we're trying to give up less goals. So four, yeah, I'd rather not give up four, but you also got to respect the skill of the other team, too, sometimes. I mean, Matthew's shot to make it four is a heck of a shot, so what are you going to do? Line up and let's go play again. A lot of attention on the goal, but I mean, they're playing head to head against Tavares all night and seemed to have a lot of offensive zone time. Is that what you saw too? Yeah, we, we wanted to really play our game. You know, they're they're the home team; they can match up however they want. But we wanted to come out and play. Like I say, coming out of the break, we had a tough game against Calgary, but then we had three good days of practice, and I like the way we've kind of been trending ever since. And uh, our guys are playing with confidence, and we go into a game we feel like we uh, if we play the way we can, we can win. So it's. Uh, you know, the other team, you recognize who you're playing against and the skill level and that, but I think we have guys that can play at a real high level, and as a team, we can play at a high level, and if we do that, we give ourselves a chance to win. That's where we are right now. Dave, some of the chatter heading into the calendar year was 
this team's ability on five on five. You guys have double digit goals at even strength this trip. What's allowed you guys to make the turn in that regard? Well, one of the biggest factors, I think, is we, we got to regroup a little bit and rest. We were in a tough, tough stretch there, and it seemed like every day guys were nicked up a little bit or, or tired, and uh, so we got to catch our breath. We we had some good practices. We tweaked a couple little things that we think will help us, and uh, and the guys have just come out and played real well. Play, and we, we put a real onus on we have to be a better five-on-five team in the second half, and, you know, so far it's gone all right. Tyler has looked really good since getting called up. What have you liked about his play? Who's that? Kyle uh, Yeah, he's played real well. But today was probably uh, the one game he got a goal today, but um, maybe not quite as good today. But he, but he's been solid on that line. Solid on that line. He's given us a little balance there. Leon likes playing with him. That's a that's a good sign, and uh, that line has played well for us. So it's it's good for him to come in and contribute. You know, when you add a guy to your lineup that is a regular player and contributes, that makes you a little better team. So that's what he's doing. So that's not, this isn't the first time you've broken up McDavid and Drysaddle on separate lines. And we've watched other coaches try it and always go back. But this one appears to work better. You seem to have better balance, and it doesn't look like you need to go back anytime real soon. What's uh, different? Just a little more depth there. You know, like Ammo coming in and, uh, and, Giving us a guy that can make plays with with Leon there, and uh, you know, who knows? Yeah, let's be honest. Three weeks from now, or two weeks from now, or three days from now, it might change. But but right now, those two lines they're giving us they're giving us nice balance, and uh, you know, so far so good. Drysaddle and McDavid more accepting of playing apart, perhaps, to, for the good of the team. Are you a better team when they're apart? Drysaddle and McDavid are accepting of winning. Right? They want to win, and they're they're on board with anything we have to do to try to win. And if they're apart, that's one thing. They play together on the power play, but there's, uh, you know, they understand the deeper team we can get, the more depth we can get, the the harder it is for teams to key on individual guys. So it's uh, both of them feel like their lines are playing well right now, and when you have that, both of them feel like they can help our team win, and that's what we're looking for. Oilers win at 6-4 over the Maple Leafs. Ten different goal scorers in this game. Nobody had two for Edmonton. Clefbaum, Nurse, Yamamoto, Chason, Dreisaitl, and McDavid for Toronto. Spezza, Gauthier, Matthews, and Engvall. Uh, Connor McDavid, eight shots on goal tonight in 24-49. Had a rough night in the face-off circle, uh, 27%. Not sure anybody's going to remember that. <laughs> After the goal he scored tonight, Nurse plays 26.05. Clefbaum plays 27.56. That game back in December of 1985, the last time before tonight that all six Oilers defensemen got a point in a game, was a 12-9 win over the Chicago Blackhawks. Dave Cutler with the game-winning field goal <laughs> as time expired. we got a break for the news and weather. If you're on hold, stay there. We're getting to you. Oilers take it 6-4 in Toronto. Overtime open line, courtesy Heartland Ford. Live Oilers Hockey is brought to you by World of Spas. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio. 6.30 chair. Carter, now Matthews. Carter in front. Mike 
Blake Smith making his third straight start gets the victory. 6-4 Edmonton over Toronto. Smith with 32 stops. That was his save of the game for Jiffy Loop. Be wise, winterize. Well, I mean, he allowed four goals, mm-hmm. but I thought Smith made, made some pretty good saves. And uh, he gets the win. Gets a, a big win for him as he's bouncing back from a rough December. Yeah, I know. It's uh, a surprise start, I think. Well, actually, the last three surprise starts for Mike Smith, too, because of illness for Koskinen. And then today, everyone thought, and you and I were expecting Koskinen. Uh, Dave Tippett said that uh, performance-wise, he deserved a, a third straight start. And I don't think he was as good tonight as he was the last two games, but he was better than the two goalies that he faced on the opposite end, made the saves when he had to, and uh, got a a huge victory. I mean, he's had good success against the Toronto Maple Leafs. It continued tonight. I would expect we'll see Koskinen next, but the Oilers now can feel fairly confident that they can get into a rotation with their goaltenders because Mike Smith is turned it around here in 2020 and is playing the way that they saw him play at the beginning of the season. So the Oilers get back-to-back wins for the first time since late November. Pretty good road record, 13-9-2 away from home, 2-0-1 so far on this road trip. 780-496-0063. We have Colin standing by. Go ahead, Colin. Yeah, just driving along in Kansas, listening to you guys on the app like usual. Uh, Just wanted to throw out a few things and you can discuss them. A little bit of a list. First thing was, I haven't been to a, a game in years. This year, I lucked out. My boss gave me a season tickets, and then my son took me out on New Year's Eve. And that was a bit of a nail-biter, because we got two periods out of them that were really good. I mean, we were looking at 6-0, and we thought, oh, this is great. And then all of a sudden, it was 6-1, and then the wheels fell off. Well, tonight and the previous game, we got 60 minutes out of those guys and they were playing like we know they can we've seen it and they got the result and as far as Mike Smith goes I've told my son this because he was he was ragging on Smith and I said you ever notice that Mike Smith gets the games where the front end kind of bows out on him if he gets the games where they're playing solid he'll do okay and he has what do you think yeah thanks Colin um uh... <laughs> Yes and no. I mean, Smith uh, sometime hasn't sometimes haven't hasn't got the support that he's needed. But there's been other games that Smith wasn't very good uh, in the stretch where he had the, his troubles. His save percentage was at 850. So that's not on support up front or the front front line not putting in the offense that they need. That was Mike Smith not being as good as he needed to be. Uh, but we've seen and. When he was in Calgary last year, he had a stretch that he really struggled in the middle of the season, then turned it around and was a, a star for them late in the year. And I think that's what the Oilers are hoping for, that he put the struggles behind him in, uh, from December and he can give them quality starts. And he's given them three quality starts in a row. So uh, I'm not going to defend what's, how Smith played in December, but I will give him... Uh, props for the way that he's played in the last three games. A lot of people had written him off. A lot of people, we get a lot of phone calls saying, you know what, they got to, how many times do we have people calling saying we need to trade for a backup goaltender? Well, Dave Tippett has stuck with his guy that he knows quite well, and obviously he knows him a little bit better than the rest of us because when he was left for dead, all Mike Smith came up with three very good quality starts in a row. 
All right, 6-4, Oilers take it. By the way, we're looking for someone to finish the play, 780-496-0063. But first, back to Toronto, an amazing goal tonight by Connor McDavid. Lots of goals in lots of places. This is your first NHL goal in this building, and it was a, a good one. What's something special about that goal for you? Yeah, it's definitely special. Um, you know, this is a building that our team has struggled in. Um, personally, I've struggled in it before, so um, you know, it's definitely fun to be able to come in here and get a big win. So you look off Riley, and are you looking him off because you know what you're going to do, or how does that work? I'm just looking. I, I, you know, I knew Nuge was jumping, and then the weak side D was jumping, so I thought you know, maybe give him a chance to, to make it an odd man rush, maybe two on one, and um, you know, and then just try to make a play. Um, that was it. How well do you know uh, Riley? You would have played with him in the World Cup. Yeah, I played uh, played a, a World Championship with Riles. Um, played a World Cup with Riles. Um, I know him. I know him pretty well, and uh, he's a great guy. You seem to be pretty excited after the goal. Like it, it seemed to really, you seem to be really pumped about. about yeah, I mean, it's you know everyone wants to, to play well in their hometown, and you know, I have lots of friends and family in the building, so um, it's definitely fun to, to be able to get one. Last year, you guys came in here, and it was exactly the opposite, right? It went bad. It was. I think you said you were embarrassed. Uh, this must feel good because of that. <laughs> yeah, it definitely feels good. And then we've never had a win in here um, since I've been a part of the Oilers. So, um, you know, and it's definitely, uh, you know, definitely fun to get one. Does it feel like a monkey sort of uh, taking off your back there? Um, no, not really. I mean, um, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's a building I've played a, a couple times in, and um, you know, World Juniors, World, World Cup, a couple times in the NHL. So uh, it's a building I'm familiar with. And, um, you know, I've had success in other in other uh, tournaments and stuff, and, and stuff, but never really in the NHL, so um, that was definitely fun. Was there, was there anything that you saw in Morgan that made you make that move at that time? Like where his feet were, where his balance was? I'm not going to give up any of my secrets, so um, <laughs> just tried to make a play. How many tickets were you up to for tonight? Uh, CIBC, actually, uh, it's good that you do that. I can give a shout-out to CIBC. They, they helped me out with a box, so um, you know, my, my family gets to, to sit in there, which uh, definitely helps the wallet out. What is this trip home like for you? How busy are you when you come here trying to put everything in and the game? Yeah, it's always busy. Um, you, know, you got people um, you know, hounding you for stuff, and um, but it's, it's always fun to play here, um, and it's always fun to leave here as well. So um, it's, it's uh, yeah. All right, good stuff there from Connor McDavid. Four points, beautiful goal, 6-4 Oilers win over Toronto. I, 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 get, I mean, I, I would ask those type of questions too. You want, you want the player to take the fan, what's he seeing, explain something that the, the viewer couldn't understand. But Connor kind of said, well, I'm not giving away my secrets. Plus, I also think, Rob, like, that's like asking a great musician. How, how do you how did you come up with that riff or the, like if you're just that great at something, just can you always explain it? You know what I mean? Well, he could explain it, but to me, the reason he's not saying it is he's not trying to embarrass anyone public, publicly. If he goes on and says, "Well, as soon as he crossed his legs over and, and turned to that way," well, I knew I had him, and then it makes Riley look dumb. The one thing that we've learned about Connor McDavid since he's coming to the National Hockey League, he chooses everything he says very carefully. He never says anything that the other team or the or, or other media or, or fans can say. Do you hear what he just said? He just cut this guy. We're gonna go after. He he was smart. And he, if he would have just said how he beat Riley, well, he was admitting that yeah, I just beat Riley. 
So all he said was, I just tried to make a play. And it was the right thing to do. You don't want to embarrass anybody, let alone someone that you consider a friend off the ice. So it was the right move, uh, the right move by him. But I guarantee you there's, there was a point where he knew that he had Riley leaning the wrong way, and he took advantage of it. All right, we have Brent on line three. Brent, you're going to be our finish the play guy, but you have a question or a comment first. Uh, not really. It was just nice to see the Oilers pull off the win and move up in the points. Now we have 51, and we're in third, and if we can uh, sustain that for a little while longer, that'd be great. Yeah, right in the race for sure. I'm going to put you on hold here so you can hear the finish the play. You already have up to eight days parking at Jet Set Parking. Best price on Edmonton Airport parking. Book online at jetsetparking.com. Self-park as low as five ninety eight per day with the promo code CHED. Of Koskinen and a steal by James Neal and a big hit on Tavares right away from Zach Cassian. All right, uh, six different goal scorers tonight for the Oilers, Brent. Was Cassian one of them? No, he wasn't. He was not. Has anybody ever told you you're an incredibly intelligent young man? No, not really. I'm not that young. <laughs> well, you can count me as the first then. And stay on the line, okay? Okay, thanks a lot. Kellen's just going to get your info because you also get your name into the grand prize draw for one hour at Fast Track Indoor Karting. Safe adrenaline pumping fun. FastTrackKartingEdmonton.com. Cassian with the uh, hit on uh, Tavares. 12 of the 18 Oilers skaters got at least a point tonight. Uh, Cassian actually was one of them that uh, did not, but he found a way to make a bit of an impact on the game. In 16.42 of ice time, he had five hits. All right, we have a bus on line seven. A bus, go ahead. What's up, buddy? Finally won. Yeah, broke a bit of a streak there against the Leafs. By the way, I was going to ask you guys, when was the last time the Oilers beat the Leafs, and what was the date? Yeah, it was February of 2016. I think I have the exact date here. Uh, February 11th of 2016, 5-2. That was still in Rexall Place. So one, one of the other things that tonight, I know that you just had the, the hit by Cassian on the, on the, the, the video, on the soundbite there. Connor McDavid's line mates tonight, 15 hits between them. James Neal, 10 hits. Oh, Cassian, yeah. 5 hits. So you want to create room for your superstar, throw your body around. So Connor McDavid had four points tonight, his two line mates. 15 hits in this hockey game. That's a heck of a night. And actually, what was it? Oh, almost had as many hits as the Toronto Maple Leafs. They had 21, so 15 for those two players. All right, the last uh, about uh, 56 hours for this gentleman. Oilers win, Patriots lose, but then Oilers win again. Scott in Boston, go ahead. Oh, I'm here. Hold on, you're a speaker. Give me a second, brother. I'm learning guitar. Imagine that. All right, am I on? Yes. All right, what's up, guys? Hey, you All told right. you lied okay. to me. You lied to me. Well, how, Rob? You told me the Patriots were going to the Super Bowl. You told me oh, that. Don't you t- get me I, going on I that. called my bookie oh. in Vegas and put ten thousand dollars on New England to win the Super Bowl. You owe me ten well, grand. You got it. You, you got millions. You're all right. Now, <laughs> hey, I love that. Hey, hey, I don't. Oh, don't, I mean, want to talk Pats? How much time do I got? <laughs> no, we don't have time to talk Pats. It makes me uh, sad. Read, read, as usual, trivia. I'm going to get him tonight with a different question. You're going to love it. All right, here we go. <clears throat> did you really lose 10000 No, no I did didn't. not. you kidding me? My <laughs> wife would shoot no, me if I lost tickets, 100 Scott. What did you make back in the day, Rob? What was, what was the pay scale back when you played? Like, average salary was what, 400 uh, That 400 was good. 400 was good. Oh, I think, I think I guys, my first, my first contract, I, I think I made 85 in the NHL. 
Imagine that. Yeah. Wow. I think my I son makes Scott more Stevens. than that. Now. Oh, this would be a good trivia question. I should save this for next call. Scott Stevens was the first player to make one million in the NHL. Was he? I remember reading it in Hockey News. I had a subscription to Hockey News. I, 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 don't I couldn't think, believe it. I think Gretzky, Messier, and Lemieux were all making a million before Scott Stevens was. I'm almost positive. Almost positive isn't positive. I am positive. <laughs> not almost positive. Well, okay. Scott Stevens totally was positive. the first player to make $1 million. That's not true. Year. That is not true. They, they, I remember they put out the salaries in the late 80s, and Gretzky and Lemieux were making a million, and people were somewhat surprised that Messier was also over a million. I'm going 1990-ish. I heard, hey, you, hey, you guys are both wrong. The first player to make a million dollars was Bobby Hall. That's a good point. There you go. Not in the NHL. Mm. Nope. 1990s, my guess. Let's do, let's do trivia, Scott. Let's do trivia. Yeah, so, what? Already? Hold on. Yeah. Rob, I have to rip through some Edmonton. I'll be quick. In and out. 30 <laughs> seconds. All right? Connor McDavid. This kid is unbelievable. He's the best player this world has seen since Mario Lemieux entered the league in 1984. And I went to the game the other day in Boston. What? Yeah, you're still on, Hello? buddy. That, was, that wasn't on oh, our end. He, the kid's incredible. He's only getting better. Imagine he's five years out of his prime. I went to the game the other day in Boston. You should have saw me in warm-ups. I, my jaw was open just staring at him. He probably thought I was... Uh, you know, creep or something. I just couldn't believe it. He's just so good. No one gets it. Nobody gets it. My friends around here are starting to get it because all I do is sit, tell them how good he is. He had three goal. Uh, excuse me, a goal and assist, three assists tonight. I'm getting there, Reed. We're we're done in 20 seconds. I promise, buddy. He had a goal and three assists tonight. But you know what shows you that he's playing great? Eight shots on goal. That's unheard of. Dude, that might be a record. It's not a record, but eight shots on goal, that shows you're engaged. Eight shots on net. All right. I mean, that's, that's unbelievable. Your 20 seconds. we got to do trivia right. now, Scott. All right, here we go. I got you, buddy. Thank you. Rob, you ready? I'm going to get you tonight. Okay, I'm ready. Name what, name which movie this quote is from. <laughs> you just another wetback crossing the border to play their game. It's a different trivia question, but it's hockey-related, obvious. What uh, movie? I uh, mystery Alaska. I have no uh, idea. Young Blood. Boom. Reed got it. Thank Reed, you, Scott. you got it, kid. Well, that's he's way older than project, me. So I don't remember that. No, I'm younger than you. Don't say that. <laughs> that is uh, an excited Scott in Boston. We will get to Robert and Tony when we get back. Oilers win it six four in Toronto. Finally, get back to back wins. Overtime open line, courtesy Heartland Ford. Oilers Hockey is brought to you by World of Spas. This is the Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Here's Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chan. David will transition offensively. Morgan Riley back. McDavid beat him. Rich shot score. Beautiful move. Connor McDavid danced around Morgan Riley and then finishes off the Leafs by going upstairs on Hutchinson. That is McDavid's 24th goal of the season, one you won't forget. Made it 6-3 Oilers in the third period. Austin Matthews would get one back for Toronto, but Edmonton wins it 6-4 tonight. 23rd win of the season for the Oilers, 23-17-5. And And they move up into third place in the Pacific Division, one point ahead of Vancouver, though the Canucks have three games in hand and uh, a couple points ahead of Calgary who have a game in hand. Flames have won their last Two, Robert on line three. Robert, you're on with Robin Reed. Go ahead. Uh, hey guys, how you, uh, how's it going? Pretty good. Um, I wanna, uh, I wanna make a couple points tonight. I think, uh, I think, I think there's a, there's a, there, 
there's a, a slight difference in the, the orders for this year in Boston simply because they went they they went and won in Boston and in Toronto and and uh, and. Uh, in years past, the Oilers, well, more, more than likely, didn't didn't win in either building. So I think I think there's I think there's a I think there's a difference in that sense. They're, they're, uh, they've found ways to win several big games this year on the road. Now that being said, they're going into Montreal. Do you think there's uh, there's any chance that uh, Mike Smith gets his fourth straight start, or do you, do you go back to Costco and uh, either way? Thanks, Robert. Uh, I. I I thought they would go with Koskinen today. Uh, I was wrong, but I'm pretty sure they'll go with Koskinen against Montreal. I thought Smith was okay tonight. He wasn't as good as he was the last three, and uh, they had a pretty good rotation going on at the beginning of the year, two on, two off, that seemed to be successful for a while. Mike Smith, again, is 37. I know there's a couple days off, but you don't want to ride him too long, so I think it's Koskinen's turn to get back in the net, and... Uh, Koskinen wasn't out of the net because of uh, a lack of play or lack of good play. He was out of the net because he was sick. He's fully healthy now, and I would expect he would be the starter against Montreal. All right, 6-4 Edmonton wins tonight. And, yeah, uh, I mean, Robert, uh, like a good road record, 13-9 mm, very good. Is, a, is a solid ro- road record. The Oilers are not uh, as good at home, 10-8-3. Good little bounce back. I mean, they had that. And we'll see where this goes, but they had the 15-game stretch where they've only won four. Since then, they've gone 3-0-1. Oh, so I think the Oilers, Rob, I mean, the, the fan base has been through so much misery mm-hmm. where it's it's either been bad the entire season or it started okay and then gone bad. But the Oilers, in my mind, I mean, they're kind of in the middle of the pack in the overall standings. Um, they're kind of having, a, like, a normal season. I mean, mm-hmm. to me, the, there's not a lot of difference between the teams that finish eighth overall and 22nd. I mean, mm-hmm. it might be a hot goalie for a month. It might be a good power player PK for a month. And, and I mean, look at Vancouver's doing well lately. Uh, Calgary's Calgary playing had well. its little burst. Edmonton's was early, and they're now all kind of in the same part in the standing. So, you know, they got to avoid another 15-game stretch like they had. But in my mind, they're kind of having the type of season a good but not great team has. And then you got to find a way to scratch out few extra points here or there to, to be on the right side of the cut line. Well, the the, the problem that, that we have is the, the media here, social media, and a large part of the fan base get very excited when the Oilers have a, a little spurt like they did at the beginning of the season, and they feel that the sky is falling on them when the Oilers have a bad stretch. And they they're missing the journey here. I mean, this is a pretty good journey the Oilers are having right now. They're in the playoffs. They're battling for a, a division lead. They weren't expected to. None of the, the the analysts picking the Oilers at the preseason had them as a playoff team, or, or if they were a playoff team, they were going to fight for a wild-card spot. So to me, it's... If the fan base... And we've got a lot of people calling about the things that are wrong with the Oilers. Even after wins, we'd have people calling... If that's the case, well, there's a lot of other teams that fan bases should be really, really upset in Calgary, in Vegas, in Nashville. Uh, you know, those are teams that were supposed to be much better than the Edmonton Oilers, and they've struggled. And the Oilers are within reach or ahead of all those teams. So the Edmonton Oilers are right where we thought they would be. We thought they'd battle for a playoff wildcard spot, and they're there. I think the rest of their division 
hasn't lived up to the expectations. Calgary was supposed to be better. Yeah, I mean, some yep. could still run away. They with could, it. but as as of right now, Calgary was supposed to be better. Uh, Nashville, or excuse me, uh, Vegas was supposed to be a lot better. The San Jose Sharks were supposed to be a lock for a playoff spot. And here the the Oilers are three points out. Now, they're going to go through another stretch where they win three out of 12 games. And they're probably going to have a stretch where they go 7-0-1. Teams that are middle-of-the-pack teams, which the Oilers are and want to be, have good stretches, they have bad stretches. They beat good teams, they lose to bad teams. The parity in the National Hockey League is incredible right now. That's why Detroit and L.A. have a combined 30 wins on the season. They've won 30 times, and they're not a good team, but they're parity. They're not that bad either. So I, I'd say right now, next time the Oilers lose, don't feel like the world is crushing down on you. Just be happy right now. They, they had that spurt at the beginning of the season, and they are right now currently a playoff hockey club that's only three points behind the Vegas Golden Knights for first in the division. All right, 6-4 Oilers win in Toronto. We'll get in a couple more calls here. We have Tony standing by. Go ahead, Tony. First of all, I'm very upset the fact the Patriots lost this weekend. Huge Patriots fan, the fact they lost. Um, I, I, have some, I have a few points. Um, the Dreisaitl, um, Nuge, and Yamamoto, I think that, you know... And, you know, maybe a little too early, but I think you should keep maybe Drysdale and Nuge together because at first they were a little iffy, but now it seems like they know where they're, each other is at now and, all, and you know, they're making smart plays and Drysdale is actually making a smart play now instead of, you know, just throwing it away. And um, honestly, the one guy that's really impressed me, and I know he started off a little slow, but is Archibald because... He does. He like he's a small guy. Like I don't know how tall he is, but he does stuff that you know a guy like Cassian or a guy like Nurse does, and he's doing it instead of you know staying back and doing and you know be basically afraid of everything that's going on in the play. No, Archibald has played very well. I think he's one of the signings that you've got what you thought you're going to get out of him. He is aggressive, and he is. He might be the hardest hitter on the Oilers physically the hardest hitter on the Oilers. Clayton on line three. Go ahead, Clayton. Hey, how's it going tonight? Good. Good, good. No, I just wanted to echo what Rob was saying there. I could not agree more. I just, uh, I listen every day, and um, uh, when when I hear some of these comments, it just it baffles me because the fan base should be enjoying this process. They, you know, sometimes I wonder you know what what else they need you know like uh sometimes there's just going to be growing pains you just gotta sometimes you just gotta enjoy the process and and i don't know that's just what i have to say about that i guess but yeah, we appreciate you calling, Clayton. Well, this was an enjoyable one tonight. The Oilers jumped out to a 3 nothing lead. The Leafs got back into it 4-3 after two, but Dreisaitl and McDavid extended to 6-3. McDavid's goal, a legendary one for sure. Austin Matthews did get a goal back for Toronto. You know, when we were talking about the penalty kill in the second period, the Oilers were actually short-handed for a minute 35. They took a too-many-men penalty when Neal was going off, bumped into a Maple Leaf, Nugent Hopkins came on the ice and attempted to check the player with the puck. So that's why they got that penalty, but uh, the Leafs didn't really threaten on that late power play. Well, Rob, back at it on Thursday. Oilers take on the Montreal Canadiens. 
Well, you got to be honest. I mean, this is a great week if you're a hockey fan of the Edmonton Oilers. They're playing some pretty cool teams. You got to see them play in Boston, as good a team as any in the NHL. Play in Toronto, which has got all those exciting players. And now they're going to Montreal, which from experience I know is one of the most fun places to play in the National Hockey League. And the Oilers have a chance to extend an already good road trip. They can get into a great road trip if they go into Montreal and steal two points. You can get more on 630Ched.com, globalnews.ca. McDavid with a goal and three assists. The Oilers have back-to-back victories for the first time since November 24th, 6-4 over the Maple Leafs tonight. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer. Bob Stoffer as Oilers now from noon to 2 tomorrow. I will have inside sports from 6 to 8. Oilers hockey is presented by World of Spas. Overtime open line is courtesy Heartland Ford. Oilers win it 6-4. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Have a great night. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season 6 of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.